absolutely overcome. I am overcome because the first thing I want to know is how do four people make that much joy? Wow. Thank you so much. That is just amazing. Thank you, ma'am. I'm overcome with the introduction. That was the sweetest thing in the world, and I, you already had me uh, at the invitation to be here. It meant the whole world to me, Reverend Smothers, and I'm just, oh, I am truly, I think I've made my point, overcome to be here. I'm reconnected with so many wonderful friends and faces from the past. I've got to, I know we have an, uh, an abundant online presence, but I've got to thank some very dear friends who came this morning. They came in spite of pride parade traffic. They came in spite of the fact that I threatened them if they came, that was gonna be it. I was already nervous enough. They're stalwart members of Decatur First Methodist Church, and I wanna just tell you one thing, the Hudson, Hasty Parish family. I don't like the way you're looking at Pastor Jasmine. I just want to tell you right now, you have your rich pastorate. I don't like the way you're looking at her. She's ours. And that actually leads me to the substance of my remarks this morning, which is, of course, Facebook. Having, and I remember my very robust uh, conversation with Millie in the, I guess, early 2000s about MySpace versus Facebook. And I giggled behind her back the whole time because I had no idea which either one of them were. But I am a Facebook junkie. And I have uh, a very dear friend who is a fantastic lawyer. And every year during Black uh, Pride Month, she, Black History Month, pardon me, she does one of the most wonderful things, and I'm sure many people do it, but she posts every day about somebody in the trenches. We know the icons, but she posts about pioneers, real people doing the work now. Many of them, most of them, you've never heard of. Um, many of them you have heard of, but she makes a real point to get in there and tell us who's who now, and I look forward to it every day, and I got home, and I turned on my machine to see who it was about, and I read about this fantastic young woman, black, who was a Spelman graduate, a Candler theology graduate, who had burst every barrier. She was at an historic downtown Atlanta church. She was the first female pastor, the first black pastor, and her name was Res Reverend Jasmine Smothers. Whoa, that's my Jasmine Smothers. If you want your own Jasmine Smothers, get your own Jasmine Smothers, but that's my Jasmine Smothers, and I couldn't have been prouder then um, I get to see her not nearly as much as I want to, and I probably think I could do something about that. Um, but I am just overcome. I have remarks that I have changed three times already. I'm going to change on the fly today. Um, I was so thrilled when I got the scripture that pertains to today, the Hebrew scripture, faith in things unseen. Because I was going to tell you, who better to talk about faith 
in things unseen than a woman who spends her days in a courtroom. And I was going to explain to you all about circumstantial evidence, everything you really didn't want to know, including its legal definition. It is the very definition of faith in things unseen. And I get to tell people constantly at the end of, uh, at the end of a case, after the evidence is all in, and after the lawyers have made a passionate closing argument, uh, some good ones and some bad ones. I get then to address the jury and give them what's called the charge of the court. And that's the law that they are to apply when they go back in the jury room to the facts that they've just heard. And circumstantial evidence is always explained as follows. And you know what I'm going to say. You know what the example is. We always do our best when we explain things. Well, it's like. And, every, and it's bad to say always, but I can almost say always here because every single time there's a lawyer that turns to that jury and says, well, you know, you go to bed. The night passes. You've gone outside right before you get in bed. You've looked up. The sky is beautiful and clear. The air is crisp. You get up the next morning. You look outside. There's snow all over the ground. You didn't see it. You didn't run out there and feel the melting flakes on your cheek. But you've, there is only one logical conclusion that can be reached. It snowed. That's circumstantial evidence. That's faith in things not seen. Is your faith like that? Can you reach only one inescapable logical conclusion that there is God? So I'm going to do what makes most people absolutely miserable. I'm going to talk about my faith. But I sat there every Sunday morning through the 50s, the 60s, all of the 70s, I sat right there with my dad, and I sat back there later with my mother. And so the reason I want to talk about my faith is because it is the history of this church. When I was first conscious, I was born into this church in 1954. When I was first conscious of the, of the surroundings, it, it, it's sort of like analyzing the air you breathe, you don't really think about it, but when I, when I was conscious of the surroundings, it occurred to me that I was in the World War II generation. This was the, they're the greatest generation, no doubt about it. They get it. They get the title. But everybody was affected by the war. Our leaders, many of them had served in the war. Many of them were gravely injured in the war. We had ushers uh, with prostheses who would struggle up the aisles to hand out the collection plates, and we were dominated. We were dominated by men. Sorry, Cliff. We were dominated by the male leadership of the church. The women all did the work, but we were dominated. I'm not going to pay any attention to those pages because I'd already <laughs> abandoned them. We were dominated by the male leadership of the church, and I found out very early, God was a boy. God was male, and he was not only male, 
He was old. He wore a long flowing robe, and he was white. And that was it. I mean, what, what, how was I supposed to know any different? My faith stopped, not my faith, but my learning stopped, stagnated right there. I was a second class citizen, and I didn't look like God because I could not match any of those characteristics that I had been taught week after week after week. We had, by the time I was in my 30s, actually my late 30s, I had had three ministers, which as a Methodist is absolutely unheard of, and Dr. Smith knows exactly what I'm talking about. I'd had three ministers, the third of which was a man named Dr. Sam Matthews, and I've got, I've got to credit him for what comes next. I got this idea, Jay, you know what I'm talking about? I got this idea, and I could not dislodge it from my brain. And after I had struggled with it and thought, I'll just buy some more stuff and I'll be fine, after I had struggled with it, I finally decided, okay, I can't get it out of my mind. I want to go to seminary. I'm a Methodist. I called Candler. They said, when you're ready to give up your job and come here full time, we'll, we'll talk about admission. I thought, hmm. Okay, I got this house payment thing. So I went to Columbia, the uh, Presbyterian Seminary, which is a gorgeous place out in Decatur. If you're not familiar with it, you ought to drive over there sometime and just walk around the campus. It is absolutely unbelievable. And they took what they called occasional students. And I felt occasional enough. Stop that. I felt occasional enough, so I thought, okay, this is good. And I got to go part-time, and it took me five years to get a, a three-year degree, but I did it. And I, one thing, and this is not an edict, this is not a criticism, this is not a we should, this is just a thing that happened to me. And that is, is that the Presbyterian Seminary in the early 2000s was devoted to a gender-free terminology. It was God. And I guarantee you, if I go home this afternoon and I hit my thumb with a hammer, it's going to be, oh, Father God. I get it. You are what you were raised with. And again, this isn't a criticism, but I started thinking of God. Am I really made in the image of God? And it over, I basically cried for five years as the emotions came out, and it absolutely overwhelmed me. And there's a point to this in a minute, because it just never dawned on me that this church that I loved so much could change too. I sat back there when we not passively, we actively excluded black visitors. I sat back there when we actively, not passively, kept the homeless out. And if you presented as homosexual, the first thing you got was um, St. Martin's Little North. Look at us. Look at us. First Methodist, you go. This is the history of the church. This is the growing, loving, living, breathing history. It's not stuck in a book. 
It's not stuck in a pew. It's just right here with us. God is with us, and God is among us. And if you don't have faith in things unseen, you look at those four people, you look right there. You look at me. I'm an old gay woman who was just loved and embraced this morning when I walked in. And I'm just, I could not tell you how happy I am to be here. I do have to say one personal thing, and that is Dr. Smith. And I, again, I know we have an online presence, but uh, Flo Smith um, was one of the most important members of this church ever. And this church has a rich history that I can't, I, I'm, I'm confident there are books about it. But Flo Smith sat on the front row of the uh, chancel choir. And every now and then, a uh, bored teenager would look up and she'd wink. And you knew you, were, you knew you were loved, you knew you were noticed, you knew it was okay that you had your head on your dad's shoulder even when you were 16 years old, trying anything to stay awake. So I have to, I have to tell you I'm overwhelmed with the memories of Flo this morning. And in conclusion, which is always what uh, judges love to hear and juries love to hear and hopefully congregations love to hear. I had three topics, and that's very confusing to a lawyer. I had three topics. I had the beautiful Hebrews passage about faith. I had the title of the sermon was about service. And incidentally, your service and your charge is to make sure that you, know, you make children aware that God is more than what we think, what we can read in the King James Version. But finally, it was about pride. It was about, it was, it was squarely about pride. And I am bursting with it. Amen. <laughs>